right, everyone. Happy Sunday, which is Father's Day. Um, which Father's Day is, you know, you know, like Christmas is the number one holiday. Anybody know what number two is? Easter. Mother's Day. And Father's Day is like 28th. I don't even know, like, I don't know if I know like 25 more in there. Arbor Day is like 13, so plant a tree. Um, but let's just stand up and worship the Lord here today, our Father, our good, good Father.
Isn't it good to know that the battle belongs to him?
Lord, we just thank you for bringing us here. And on this Father's Day, we go to you, who is our good, good Father, our great Father. And for that, we give you praise as today. We got, Lord, we're going to talk about where our daddy fights for us. Um, and um, we're just thrilled about doing that. So, God, just uh, take this time and, and just get us uh, settled in, whether we're here, whether we're, on, we're visiting, or whether we're watching uh, online, whatever it may be, God. We just pray that, you're, that our daddy um, will go ahead and just, um, just uh, give us what we need today from you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, at this time, our kids can head to our um, Haven Kids. And everybody else, just wave at somebody or whatever. Tell them, tell them good to see you in church today. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Dad, what about me makes you proud? Oh, man. Um... Dad, what about me makes you proud? Dad, what about me makes you proud? Oh, man. <laughs> Dad, what about me makes you proud? Did I have to answer that one? Yes. <laughs> Just about everything that you do. You're loving. You're funny. If I could go on and on. <laughs> what makes me proud about you is you just being yourself. I had trouble with alcohol. It was actually an intervention. Even with all the other people there, you were the the real reason that I made the decision to go into the treatment center that I did, and uh, thank you. Thank you. You're helpful. Yeah. You forgot the funny part. <laughs> Your attention to uh, hygiene. <laughs> Dad, I am grateful to you for choosing to stay when I was little. Mm -hmm. um, at the time when I'm graduating and I'm packing up and leaving, and it's really gonna hit me. And I think about a time when, if you're not around, like that would be awful. But like you're the you're the person that would always laugh. Dad, I'm grateful because we didn't know how long you were gonna be with us. So we're so happy that you're still here, Dad. I'm proud of you for knowing that the most important thing was to just give your kids so much time. I've always been impressed by you. You made it easy. Thanks. I miss having the chance to just check in with you. I miss your sketchbooks. I love you. I love you too. You got it. We don't say it enough. Mm. Hey. <laughs> I love you, Dad. <laughs> 
doesn't compute until they're gone. <laughs> so tell them now. It's sort of weird standing so close to you. <laughs> See, see that what see what that did to me? Yeah. So happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, welcome to Haven Community Church. Um, so this is our prayer time, and I've been asked to to come together with all of you in prayer. So we've got some prayer requests here. Um, let me read them out. Let me get my glasses back on. Okay. So Karen Verity has asked for prayer for Jeffreys Bay, South Africa. Apparently, they haven't had any rain since 2015. So severe drought situation, so prayer for, prayers for them. Um, from Sarah Mullen, a praise and thanksgiving. Um, we will celebrate Riggs' 85, 85th birthday on Tuesday, June 21st. All right, happy birthday. She said God willing, but God, yeah, I think we're going to celebrate that one now. Okay, uh, Ron and Joanna said uh, prayers for Rhonda Elkin, Traveling Mercies as she goes to visit a sick relative in Virginia and prayers for her upcoming oral surgery. Holly Kipp continued prayers for her weight loss journey and an unspoken prayer. And then for de uh, a re some requests we got online, um, Laura Young said, please pray for her almost 92-year-old mom, Claire Bicking. Many of uh, us know her. She's been struggling with GI bleeds for several months. She's once again in the hospital and her blood counts are low. The doctor was in this morning and said that they could only do supportive care because of her age. And she'll continue to have this the rest of her life. She has a strong faith and is ready to go whenever our Lord and Savior calls her home. So prayers for Clara and the family there. And then for Gay Ann Yoder, prayers for Ed Haberic as he will be having surgery on June 27th. Uh, just a reminder to everyone, um, we have uh, slips in the back. If you have prayer requests, you can always leave them there or you can send them online, and we'll make sure to get them to our prayer group. So let us go to the Lord in prayer now. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of your creation and, and all that we see out in the world. And, and Lord, we, we just can't help but look around and see you in it. Um, today, especially as we honor our fathers, Lord, we just thank you for them and for the influence they've had over our lives. We know parenthood in any in any sense is not easy. And we just thank you for our fathers and for the men who choose to be the fathers that you've called them to be. Lord, we thank you for all of the prayer requests that have been given because we know, Lord, that you're listening when we pray to you. And we ask for prayers for those who are in the hospital that we've prayed for and those who are traveling, for those who have surgeries upcoming, and for those who are just struggling with the day-to-day -day things of weight loss and, and other unspoken prayers. Lord, we just ask that you would be with each person in their requests. And even as we're praying right now, Lord, as folks have prayers in their heart that are unspoken, Lord, just speak to them, have your Holy Spirit guide them and direct them in the path that they're about to take. And Lord, as we go into this service, we ask that you be in it, that this is your service and we're here for you. And so we just give you praise and honor and, and just look for your Holy Spirit to come through with the words that are given and the, the songs that are, that are sung. Lord, may you just be here 
and we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's see what we've got going on at Haven. One thing I'll tell you real quickly, we've got a new, a new mission opportunity that's really exciting. There's a community um, uh, ministry called On Our Own, and it's about mental health in, in, uh, in Cecil County, and we're going to be doing a clothing drive. So take a look out for that and for many other things as well. Let there be light. <laughs> and there was. Um, uh, so um, one of the things I want to touch on next week, but right there we have our, um, our QR code. If you want to take a look and have a digital bulletin, go ahead and you can do that. And if you don't know how to do that, just aim your camera up and push on the square and it does it magically. It's magic. Um, but um, uh, one of the things you might have saw the, one of the last two slides, um, next week we are having our baptismal service. And we, you're, we go right across the parking lot. And there's a creek back there. It's a nice, really nice area. And it is, um, uh, we, we're going we're gonna to have a good time uh, with that. Um, we have like 21 people signed up already. So that's awesome. I'm excited about that. So um, 21 people. Hopefully it's not cold. Um, but the water's, the water's probably warmer than the air outside right now. And, um, and so that's, that's uh, pretty good to, to know right there. Um, so we're going um, to do that. And we'd love for everybody to stay afterwards. Somebody may say, be here next week and say, hey, I want to do it. That's fine. We're going to try to have some stuff for you. That you um, and we have some shirts and some other things that you can, um, you can have to, to uh, take part in that. Then afterwards, um, we have... Uh, food afterwards. Um, and so um, it's not like a covered dish. It's food's prepared. Food's going to be here and we're going to have it. And it's rain or shine because if you're getting in the water, you're getting wet anyway. So what's the matter? Um, God's just starting the process before we do. Um, and then, um, and then the next thing is we're going to have, we're going to have it set up for food in here. So if it rains, it doesn't matter. Um, also, I think there's a bouncy house, correct? Um, so the, right. Okay. Bouncy house. And so we're going to have some fun stuff there. Or if it rains, it's a water slide. Um, either way, it works, right? Right, either way, right? It works either way. So we'd love for you to stay um, and have some people out. You may know somebody who wants to be baptized. Um, don't care where they are, just as long as they love Jesus and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we'll have a great time. 21, that's awesome. That's really awesome. So we're excited about those things. So plan to be here and eat and all that good stuff. All right? All right, we are in our last week of our series, Living on the Prayer, um, which we, where we have been going through. Um, 
where Jesus' uh, disciples asked him, they said, teach us to pray. Now, as I've mentioned before, they were good Jewish boys, weren't they? Um, and so by being good Jewish boys, and they were all over 13, even John, who was the youngest, um, probably was about 13 to 15, um, that with them, um, they knew how to pray. You have to do that. That's one of the things you have to do before you pass your bar mitzvah. You have to stand up and say, Baruch atah Adonai, and have the, the yarmulke and the talit and all that kind of stuff, and then they have a big party. Um, so they went through that process. They knew how to pray, but there was something about Jesus that he prayed differently. Um, that he just prayed differently. And they said, can you teach us to pray like you do? And so we've been spending time in Matthew chapter 6, where it has what we call the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus, uh, it's known as, a, as the Lord's Prayer, but it was never intended to be a prayer that we say all the time. It was to be a model of prayer. And a matter of fact, when we looked in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it matched up perfectly to the model that Jesus gave in Matthew 6, didn't it? Remember? Um, he, he, and we went through that. So over the weeks, we have uh, dealt with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we talked about the holiness of God um, and, and how that is. Um, the next week, um, I think Wes shared, and he talked about petition. And we moved up um, and brought, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked a little bit about petition, the petition prayer. Then we got back to your kingdom come. And we talked about intercessionary prayer, praying for others and, and recognizing that God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Then we asked for your will be done where we were talking about unanswered prayer. And for me, that's a big one. Um, that's a really big one that we look at. And we were, um, we were saying, your will be done. If you get to a point that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that was the next week, on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about contemplation. And the main thing that I was sharing that week was that um, we invest in here for eternity. But most of us spend so much time investing here and not thinking about eternity. We invest in the stuff here, not the things of God. And so, um, as, as I mentioned from the book um, where we had a, a line with a dot or a ray that said, um, the dot is smaller than the line. And so we want to go ahead and do that. Anybody who's been in investing knows that the principle of investing, particularly people now, as you see with the stock market's doing, you're going, oh, um, Longevity, correct? You want longevity. And, and longevity, even though it's down, it's a lot further than it was in 1973. You know, so it, it, it gradually goes up, and that's the same thing with us. Then we talked about last week, once again, give us this day our daily bread. And we talked about contemplation, but we also talked about that God providing for our natural and our spiritual needs as well. And um, what we aren't going to talk about in the series, um, because it's, we're also doing uh, the prayer course along with it, our small group study. I know many of you are part of that, and it's, I hope you're enjoying that because it's really helping with many different ways to pray. But as, is forgive us our debts as we um, forgive our debtors. And technically it says forgive our debts as we have already forgiven our debtors is really the, um, the tense that is in there. And we talk a lot about forgiveness, so we're not going to spend time in this series. But today we're going to wrap this up with lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, so we're going to spend time there as we're coming down the home stretch. So what topic are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the concept of um, tempted in battle or the, the topic of spiritual warfare. 
And when you think about that, what, there's a lot of feelings among Christians about, about this whole spiritual warfare. Some people don't want to deal with it. Some people don't think about it. But what does the Bible say? The Bible talks a lot about spiritual warfare, attacks, about evil, about Satan, and, um, and like that there's stuff behind something else. Spiritual warfare is very common in the Bible. And you begin to ask why. I mean, Jesus talked about it a lot. And so you begin to ask why, because it's a reality of life. The bottom line is this, that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. There is a battle going on and has been going on from the very beginning before we were ever, ever around here. And if you look at the world around us, just take a look at the world around us if you don't believe me. There seems to be something that's just there beyond social, social and economic issues. Um, there's something that's just beyond more than political. There's something beyond more than behavioral. There's just something that's there. You see it, you feel it. And there's something else going on that we don't see behind all the violence, behind all the hatred, behind all the division, behind all the evil, behind all the disasters, and be behind every single uh, bit of stuff out there that just seems wrong and opposed to what God calls us to do. So it's, it's really difficult to talk about any kind of thing of the spiritual warfare without going to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to go there. That's going to be our main verse today. I'm going to share with you a lot of, of verses. Um, and um, Melinda's going to get her workout for her. There's a lot of slides, but there's less papers here. So I don't know, go figure. That's how it works. But um, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at this, and this is where the Apostle Paul uh, gives us a look at what's going on behind the curtain of the natural world. That there's, we know that there's a natural and there's a spiritual world, and so we get a glimpse of what's behind the natural world, that stuff that's behind it. And what's cool about it is he's not doing it in a panicked way, like, ah, oh, he's doing it very calm and in a very non-panicked way. So let's take a look at this. Here's what he says. This is uh, the last section of Ephesians. He says, finally, what's those two words? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. We'll talk a little bit about that um, so that um, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Let me stop there for a second. So um, you ever just feel like there's something against you? Like there's just something there. There's something that's against your family, something against your, your work, anything that you do at work, it seems labors. Something against your health. I know some people say, no matter what I do, there's just something against my health. Or maybe it's even just something against what you're thinking, that all the time, and that it just comes against you. And it doesn't, it's not just happenstance. It seems like it's that, that way. And sometimes it seems like there's seasons that are worse. Um, that, there, that there's more things. Well, he talks right here, he says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, in Greek, which the New Testament is written in, devil is the term diablos, diablos. And it's Greek, and it means this. It means liar, slanderer, transducer, which is one who attacks the reputation of another by slander or libel. Okay, everybody's got that? So, that, so when we say the devil, we are talking about him as a liar or slanderer or somebody who comes against um, your reputation. Schemes is the term methodeos, where we get our term methods. And, um, and so it's our word for method. So what the devil is doing, he's, very, he's a liar who is very crafty, looking for like these little schemes, methods, tricks, um, for one thing, to find a strategy against you. 
And he wants to use those tricks and strategies in order to, to destroy us and to come against us. And then Paul picks up from here after he says that, he says, for our struggle is not against your neighbor. Um, it, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We think it is. It seems like it is all the time. Uh, it seems like it is all the time. But it's against rulers, against uh, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That last section seems like something we'll be scrolling on Star Wars, doesn't it? Um, right there. So what we have, Paul is describing the war or what we are up against. There are, and, and what he shares with us is really important here. When he's sharing some of these things, he tells us that it's not just flesh and blood, blood even though flesh and blood can be used in this, Anybody ever know somebody who's just nasty for just, just nasty? Like they, they, I think they were born nasty and they're going to die nasty. And in between, they're going to make a lot of other people miserable. Anybody know? If, you, if you're not saying yes, you're that person, I hate to tell you. Um, so, um, but what happens is Paul gives us a, another deep look into the organization of the kingdom of evil ruled by Satan. What does he say here? He said, there are rulers. And that's one level. There are authorities. There are powers in the dark world. And there's spiritual forces evil. Evil. There is a hierarchy that exists there. It's very organized. And so if Satan, this is a liar, deceiver, and wants to do away with you and your reputation because of your love for God. Notice he said, be strong in the Lord. He's speaking to Christians. You need to be strong in the Lord. Because Satan doesn't need to mess with anybody else who's, got a, who's just going to hell in a handbasket. And helping other people there. But what he does is he has a very regimented, organized group that is out for one thing. To trick, deceive, and destroy you. That's simple. That's simple is, is what he wants to do. And so Paul describes this and is giving us a, a glimpse into this. And so he says, therefore, and remember what I said. Anytime you see therefore in the scripture, you got to find out what it's there for. All right. So therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... You may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything else, stand. Everything else, you stand. The end goal is that you will stand your ground in battle. That's the end goal that we have here. So Ephesians does give us a glimpse behind the curtain or in the window of this uh, into the spirit. Uh, and, into, and, the, and the thing is, why do we need to know that? Because we are spiritual beings. You say, wait a second, Jack, I'm, I'm flesh. We are spiritual beings in a body. All right, are you with me? And so God created us spiritually, and so we, we need to recognize this. So today I want to share some things that some Christians aren't super excited about, and some are like uh, too excited about. Um, but I want to share those things, and I would be a bad pastor if I didn't. The other reason why I'm sharing this is simply this, because this is the end of the prayer. Jesus said to do this, to, uh, to lead us not into temptation, God does not tempt us. We know that from the scripture. So where does it come from? The liar, the tempter, everything else. That's his name, Satan, okay? Um, and so um, he says, lead us not into temptation, but um, protect us from who? The evil one, referring to Satan. So, so this is important. This is how he wraps up the prayer that exists here. And so um, we, since for those main reasons, we want to deal with this. Now, there was a, a story of a small country church. It was doing really well, and, and the Spirit of God was just moving in that church, and they were beginning to grow, and then all, they were having a revival one night, and all of a sudden, poof, right up at the altar, this puff of smoke came, and there standing in front of everybody was the devil. 
Well, everybody screamed and ran and took off and, and left, and except for one man sitting in the front row. And Satan said, you aren't scared of me? He's like, no. You sure you aren't scared of me? He's like, no. He said, why not? He said, I've been married to your sister for 43 years. All right. Sometimes we need to have an approach that, and the main thing we need to have approach is that we do not need to be afraid of the devil. And so we need to understand who he is. So I want to spend time early today about who the evil one, the devil, Satan, whatever, whatever you want to say, is. Number one, here we go. The evil one, Satan, is real. He is real. It's not a metaphor. It's not a, a, he's not a sim, symbolic nature of the opposite of yin-yang, that God is good and we need an offset that is evil. Um, it's not some symbol of literature or thought process. Um, not a cosmic force. It's not, he's, he's not somebody in a red suit and a pitchfork um, that we, we like to see that. Who is Satan? Well, Satan is an angel, a fallen angel. In the scripture, um, there are three angels. And many people, uh, many scholars, and I also believe that he was one of three archangels um, in the midst of that. Um, there's two that we learn about. One is Gabriel. Gabriel's job is to be the messenger um, archangel. You remember he appeared to Mary um, and, be, and told her that she was going to have the birth of Jesus. The other one, kind I, I guess if you can have a favorite angel, he's kind of mine. Um, Michael. Michael is the bad dude. Michael is like, oh, you ready to go? Let's go. Michael is the warrior angel. Michael is always leading a fight. When In Daniel, he's always leading a fight. He's always taking it on. And here's, and Michael is, is a bad dude. And he's just like, I'm, I'm for God and I'm going to take on anybody. I'm going to take them on when God tells me to go. And so you, you read about Michael constantly. Michael is not John Travolta from that old movie, Get Over It. Um, so, um, so, but he is a warrior angel. The third one is something that we're called, and it's also, it's a, they, they stand for something else, and um, it's Lucifer. And Lucifer, what we learn about in the scriptures, in Ezekiel, is that he was created in all perfection, wisdom, and beauty. Um, and in Ezekiel 28, 14, it says, You are anointed as a guardian cherub, for, you or, uh, for I ordained you. In other words, God, as this cherub, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and basically, the cherub is one who guards the holiness of God. And if you read anything about heaven, the cherubim are flying around, holy, holy, holy. And they're saying that. So they're worshiping God. And when they do it, everybody gets up and worship. So a cherub is also responsible for leading worship in heaven. Okay, keep that in your mind. He also is a guardian of the holiness of God. And, um, and it says, you were on the holy mount of God, meaning in, in heaven. And you walked among the fiery stones. If you go back to Ezekiel, there's, they talk about a, a coal that was taken from the stones that were there that cleanse the lip. It's a symbol of, of the incense and the prayers going up and all that kind of stuff. It's, and so if uh, Lucifer was going back and, be, um, back and forth be, uh, before that, that he was probably a leader of worship of heaven for God. Okay? Um, so you wonder why he loves to cor easily corrupts our own worship here today, you know, because of that. And so um, he, he's very much associated with, um, with this kind of worship thing. Now, there was this event that took place um, long before 
Um, all of this, all of this was here before Ariad. Many scholars, and I agree with them, believe that this occurred between Genesis 1 and 1 1 and Genesis 1 2. That many people believe there's a huge amount of time in there because we have in the beginning God created, blah, 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 and then we have, and the earth was formless and without void. And many people believe the fall of Lucifer and the other angels is what created the, because you'll see in a second, created that issue to be formless and without void. So what we see here, it says in Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9 it says and there was a war in heaven Michael there he is he's like let's go Michael and his angels fought against the dragon that is Lucifer that is Satan it's another name for him and the dragon and his angels fought back but don't you love this verse but he was not what strong enough he was not strong enough. So no matter what, Satan is not strong enough. He's strong, but not strong enough. And he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. They being, what we learn is a third of the heavens fell with them. So a third, and that's the, the fallen angels. The great dragon, Satan, was hurled down that ancient serpent, a reference to Genesis, called who? The devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. That's his job, to lead us all astray. He was chucked down to the earth and his angels with him. All right, so that's what happened. And that's where Satan is operating with all his forces, the organized forces that Paul told us about today. And that's why life is hard and difficult for Christians. And that's why you feel like something against you because guess what? It is every day of life. Okay, so that's the first thing. He is real. Number two, the evil one, as we learned here, is at war with us, is at war with us. And so what we need to decide in our lives is, number one, if we believe it and or if we recognize that the battle is going on with or without extremes. So, for instance, there's, there's two main approaches to this. One is there's too much where everybody is devil, 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 devil. Everything's a devil. And the other one is, nope, there's no devil at all. That's just life. Right? C.S. Lewis had this great quote. I love C.S. Lewis. And he has this great quote. He says, the problem is that most people, when it comes to devils, the problem is that most people overestimate or either underestimate spiritual warfare. Where everything is the devil or nothing is the devil. Now, somebody ever know, excuse me, someone who like everything is the devil, like they go they go, they get their food, they pull out, they're in, they leave the drive through, they're heading down the road, they reach in the bag and they go, oh my gosh, my large fries are not there, it must be Satan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, or um, I'm, I was having a birthday party today and it rained, oh, it's the devil. You, you know people like this, anybody? That it's just everything, hangnail, oh, no, I got, and it's the devil. No, you bite your fingernails and that's what happened. So, um, <laughs> But it's, um, and then the other aspect of that is that people, you know, completely underestimate it. Um, and so we either, we either overestimate or underestimate um, that. Here's what the rest of this quote says from C.S. Lewis. It's funny how the devil likes it when we overbelieve or underbelieve instead of Bible believe. Wasn't he amazing? I mean, what an amazing, amazing person that we either overbelieve and you know, we get so focused on that that we sound like lunatics and we act like lunatics because everything, or we go the other way and underbelieve, and he loves both those extremes. Satan loves extremes. But if we Bible believe, we realize that he loses in the end and that he's already lost. 
and we're just in the cleanup effort. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 tells us to wake up. Simon Peter says, wake up. He says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. He wants us to stand firm in our faith. Satan wants to destroy you and me simply because we love God. Simply because we love God. Anybody ever watched that? Anybody ever like watching animal shows like, like wild animal shows? I mean, I get a kick out of it. And, um, and I always have. I, I, you know, back from the days with Marlon Perkins' Wild Kingdom. Um, if you know who I'm talking about, you're way too old. Um, but um, yeah, like I always love when they have, there's something about a lion. You know, like a lion walks around like, yo, I'm the lion. I mean, we call him the king of the jungle. And, and one of the things is, you ever like when they, when they have like, oh, and there's a wildebeest. And you know, like wildebeest is like, mm, I'm going to get a drink. I'm going to eat some food. And just like, mm, like that. And then you see the lion. What do they do? They crouch down and they're covered. And they, by the way, your little kitten who you love so much would eat you if it could. Um, so and it just creeps. Look at them. Someday they're looking at you like, man, you look good. Um, but they're creeping and they're creeping and they're creeping. And then right when the wildebeest or whatever it is, like, you know, just going along, what is, happens? Boom, they pounce. And that's exactly like what we're going. We're going through, yay, God's good. It's a great day. Oh, it's a great day. Everything's wonderful. Everything's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm eating my food. And bam, pounces on us. Satan is a roaring lion roaming around looking to whom he may devour. He may devour. Um, but we, we can't be afraid of him. We can't be afraid of him um, because he's already lost. So a question there. Um, I wanted to give you a couple ways in which the evil one, the devil, tries to devour us. First thing is this. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So he blinds the mind of unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says this. The God of this age, a reference to Satan, uh, has Blinded the mind of unbelievers. You're like, Jack, how did you come up with that? Very easy. The Bible told me. That's what he does. Have you ever known somebody who like, and it's, it's more and more. And now it's a time where more and more people don't have, have to have any, any logic behind it, any study, any connection. It's just like it's almost popular to just say God and, and nothing exists, you know. Um, and, so, and so God doesn't exist, so it doesn't matter. And, and then if you dare get into a logical conversation, people say, oh, you're just brainwashed, blah, blah, blah. But um, there's so much about, uh, about God um, being real, and we know that. So what Satan does is he tries to blind the minds of unbelievers, and so you hear, um, it says that you won't believe in the truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, so that you won't be saved. If you, if you don't believe it in the first place, he didn't have to waste much time on you at all. All right, the second thing is he steals God's word from you. He steals God's word from you. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, and I've had some people, because it was like five, six years ago, where I was, um, where the church was reversed, and I was preaching about the um, the parable of the sower, and about, you know, remember I, I took a, a hose, and I was like, grow, and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, many of us, um, this is one of those sections. One of the things it says that the, the word, like, and how many people have you known somebody who, like, they're going through a tough time in life? Or they're just trying to seek something, and they turn to God. And they're like, oh, I need, I need. And then life gets better, and it goes away. Or it may be like this. It may be like... Um, it says this in Matthew, um, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Why? Because it wasn't rooted. 
It wasn't rooted deep um, in, in their heart. Like, you know, sometimes you may, you, may hear, you may hear something or read something that really piques you, and you go, wow, about God and his word. And you say, man, that's great. And um, it did something inside you. It kind of just started you thinking or something else. It piques your spiritual curiosity. And, and uh, so you're kind of thinking, you know what, maybe this is real or this is good. I really want to start to embrace that a little bit more. And then you get up the next day and life starts to happen. And then you have, what was I thinking about yesterday about that thing? And it's just gone. It's just gone right there. The evil one wants to steal God's word from you before it takes root. The th- next thing is he, tra- he tra- has traps, sets traps to ensnare you. Um, he wants to trap you in, in a dangerous lifestyle or in something that is destructive for you. And um, any, anybody ever had problems with like groundhogs or anything? Anybody ever had a trap? Anybody ever set a trap for anything? You set them and you go, you, you, you set those Set those traps. I'm not talking about like the mouse traps where they stick and they're dragging across the road. I'm saying like you set something and, poof, and you have it and you're like, and then when it's in there, like you're kind of like, okay, do I have to grab that thing? And you have to grab it and it's in there. And they're like, they're like flipping out because they're there. And even though they wanted to get in your, in your, um, in your garden or whatever, now you have the power because they're trapped to pick them up and take them and release them anywhere. And that's what Satan does constantly to us. That, um, that he traps us and moves us on. So he's trying to trap you. Um, have you ever noticed also that the point of your, your weakest point or your biggest vulnerability, that that's the stuff that seems to tempt you? So if you're trying to leave your former wild lifestyle, and as soon as you decide to do that, your friends show up with passes to a rave. Um, that, sounds, that sounds exhausting. Um, but uh, you're trying to get out of debt, and all of a sudden... Uh, they've got Father's Day sale, you know, or they've got a sale on clothing, or there's one of the billion Amazon Prime days that you just got to have that. Your enemy's trying to ensnare you and trying to trap you. In 2 Timothy 2, 26, it says, and that and he's, he's praying about the attacks, and he says, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Then the next thing here is, the next way that Satan does this and is at war with us, he, try, he fights to stop you. He fights to stop you. Uh, if you ever had or get a vision from God, something you really feel like God wants you to do, Satan will do anything to try to block that. Um, you may hear a good teaching and think, you know what? Okay, I need to be a good steward now. I need to get out of debt. And we're going to get out of debt and the next day your car explodes. And you're like, eh, not today. Or, or, or you say, we're, you know what, we're going to have a great marriage and relationship and you go home and you're going to pray together and you say, hey, we're going to have a good relationship. And then you have World War III, the biggest argument or fight you've ever had. Or you say, I want to share my faith with this person and they, God just placed that on your heart. And you wait and you wait for the right time and all of a sudden the, the moment's right and you begin, they ask a question and you're about ready to tell them about what Jesus has done for you and all of a sudden their cell phone rings and they're on a half an hour conversation. You've got spiritual opposition, the forces of darkness that are trying to stop you. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, it says, what the Apostle Paul said, he said, for we, uh, we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. One thing, then the next. One thing, then the next. So what he does is try to block that, the work of God by blinding the minds and stealing the truth and setting traps, and he tries to stop us. Number three, the evil one has power. He does have power. He's real, he's at war with us, but he does have power. And if, uh, how much power, we ask? 
Well, if you've ever felt oppressed, beat down, tempted, accused, frustrated, um, then that's his power working on you. Ephesians chapter 4. It's about anger, but uh, it, it really the key thing is about what happens after it. It says this. It says, in your anger, everybody gets angry. It's okay to be angry. That's part of the emotions that we have. But it says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Satan's just looking for like a little crack in the window to kind of sneak on in there. And when he comes in, he brings others with him. And so they go ahead and have a heyday in this house of God. In other words, it's saying, you know, don't give him an area in your life to get any kind of strength in order to, to defeat you or attack you. So when you think about this spiritual warfare, how do we deal with this? Um, what, how, do we, how do we work on this? And I believe the best way is doing God's way. Well, how is that? Let, I think we look to Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, where are we going to go? We're going to look to um, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. This is where Jesus is tempted by Satan. And so I'm going to read this for you, and then we're going to unpack some of this stuff, okay? Um, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Um, the tempter came. Notice that they call him a tempter. Uh, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does, shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We kind of talked a little bit about that last week. Then the devil took him to a high a holy place and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will, notice this is Satan using the word of God. One of the things we need to learn is Satan knows Scripture better than you and I do. And he uses it and he twists it. It's, what, it's been his tool from the very beginning, and it works. And so here's what he says. He says, for um, uh, it is written, uh, let me see, he will uh, command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Get yourself out of here. Away from me, Satan, for it is written. And it's interesting, you see that he's called him the devil, the tempter, it's bare, and at this point he calls him Satan. Keep that in your mind, that's important. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and the angels came and tended to him. And some translations actually have, he left him for a time. He always comes back, all right? So there's two things that happen here. There's two things. And in this um, section of Scripture, you have what I call the two bookends or the two vice grips um, of spiritual warfare that's displayed here. Number one is temptation. Temptation. All right? So um, I'm going I'm to display this this way. All right? I have these things here. These are handcuffs. All right? And they're real ones. They're not those little plastic things. All right? So um, here we go. Let me take my watch off. Um, so we have temptation. Okay, so we have temptation. And what does temptation do? In temptation, what he does, what Satan does to us, is he shows us the bait and hides the hook. Shows us the bait and hides the hook. Um, how many have ever been fishing? After you fish for a while, are you ever like, these are the dumbest things ever? But they're not, because they're saying, mm, that food looks good to me. That looks really good. And they bite into it. They don't see the hook. 
Have you ever just tried to fish with a hook? Not very successful. Satan does not fish with a hook. He fishes with the bait that gets you, the bait that you like. It looks good, and all of a sudden, you're like, hmm. You're like swimming around in life like, hmm, I don't know, that looked good. And then you're like, and then uh, you're yanked, yanked away. That's what he does time and time again. The second thing that, that temptation does, it rationalizes our sin, meaning that we off the mark of God, and it, it makes it as a virtue um, or a virtuous, uh, a virtuous trait. In other words, we'll, we'll say, well, I'm not stingy. I'm not, I'm not greedy. Um, I'm just thrifty. Yeah. Um, or I'm, I'm not a gossip. I'm just concerned. That's like the person who comes and says to the prayer group and said, did you hear about so-and-so? They just said, oh, but I, I just lifted this up for prayer. No, you did not. You are gossip and you wanted to do that. And that's, that's what we do. We justify that as a trait that we have when it's really not. And that's what temptation does for us. Um, it makes uh, a life of sin um, look better, look better than life. Um, than the, the life that we have. It makes it look like a better life. So you start to say, well, you know, maybe I should cheat, steal, and rip people off. It's not doing me any good. And look at them. They're just getting more and more. They're doing better all the time. All right, so we think that in our minds. And, and it causes us to do that temptation. And it discourages us by making a godly life seem impossible. And I've done it. I know many of us have. Say, why do I keep on trying when it just seems pointless? I'm never, never going to get where I need to be, so why bother? And we throw out the Savior with the bathwater is what we do. All right? So that's the, that's the, um, that's the first thing that we have there. Um, so that's temptation. Um, and so the, the next thing that we have is we have accusation. This is going to be fun. All right. All right. I might need some help to get out of these suckers. Okay, there we go. All right. So um, what does accusation do? Accusation causes us to look more at the sin, our sin, than our Savior. Temptation is that thing that says, hmm, that looks good, and we, we do that. Accusation makes us believe that we are what we do. And it causes us to, it causes us to, to, to think our sin is, uh, to look at our sin and say, there's no way God could love me. Do you know what I've done? God does, and he doesn't care. The Scripture tells us that while we were yet sinners... God proved his love for, it, for us, all right? Um, it causes us to think our life is beyond God's help. You know, God can't do this. You don't know what I did. I mean, it's really bad, really bad. You don't know what I'm thinking. You don't, God knows, all right? It tells us that we are living a punished life. Yeah, this is happening, happening because of what I did, because of what I think, because of who I am, and, and God is just punishing me, and so I'm going to stay there. So we live this accused life, this chained life that we have here with temptation and accusation. The last thing um, is that we, it just tells us, well, we must not know God. We just must not know God. And so we go through life living this way with temptation. Because you know what Satan does? He's really good. Temptation, we look, we look, we look, we look, we bite, and then he accuses us right there. And there's no way out. 
the way out when we stay here. Ron, can you help? Ron's going to be my Jesus right now. Here we go. Let me get that one right here. Man, I hope these are the right keys. Haha, <laughs> 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 thanks, Ron. Yep, I can get the other one. All right. So, but that's what it does. It keeps us bound. Temptation and giving into that temptation and that kind of stuff. It, it keeps us, it keeps us completely bound by that and then goes ahead and the accusations come right after that um, time and time again. Because, you know, uh, Jesus called him, called him uh, Satan, called him Satan there, which means the accuser. Okay? He's the tempter. You notice in that? He said the tempter came to Jesus, and Jesus was tempted. And then after a while, he said, if you're the Son of God, then do this. Go ahead and prove it. Uh, you must not really be the Son of God if you're not willing to go throw yourself down. He's accusing him constantly. He said, get away from me, accuser. Get away. Get out of my face. And set him out there. And, and Jesus went time and time again. Um, look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians 10. For we live in a world where we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On contrary, these weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. One thing I did not put in your, in your um, bulletin, but it's number four in the whole list on the, on, on the left side. And this is it. It's the most uh, important one. The evil one is subject to our God. It's the most important thing. He is subject to our God. And we, he can be subject to us by our God through the weapons that we're given. So what are our winning weapons? What are they? Here they are. They're really cool. And we're going to go through this. The number one is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. That's a lot better than your reaction, the name of Jesus. Um, names have power. I'm going to display to you. You're at a doctor and he says, I'm sorry, you have stage four cancer. Does that have power? Yeah. Or, hey, I'm sorry to say, but they died. Death has, is a powerful name. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, mom, dad, I'm sorry, but I'm, a, I'm an addict. I'm addicted to heroin. Powerful name. Depression. Depression is a powerful name. Anxiety is a powerful name. These are powerful names that we have. But there's good news. And it's this in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, therefore, God exalted him. God lifted him up to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Like for instance, in, in my house, I'll give you an example. Um, a lot of times if I'm downstairs and I need something, and I'll say, hey, hey, Judah, can you run upstairs and tell Hannah or can you tell Rachel or can you go downstairs and tell Jacob to come here? I need, I need to talk to them. And then time will go by and Judah will come back down and say, did you tell him? He's like, yeah. I say, well, where are they? Well, I don't know. And then I will say, go back upstairs and tell them, dad said to get down here because in our house, 
there's no greater name than the name of dad and mom, right? You know what I mean? That is the name that has power to it to bring it down there. Tell them, or else I will cut off their cell phone for the next year. You know, those kind of things. Anybody, any parents with me? And so that is something that, that carries weight to it. And look at what it says, the rest of this. It says um, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what we have is that everything up here, all of heaven, has to say, Jesus is Lord. Everything on earth will eventually, I don't care what they think now, you're eventually going to have to say, yeah, he's Lord. And you're going to say, thank God I believed it. Or you're going to say, oh my, I'm done. But you're going to have to confess. And guess what? Here's the other thing. Under the earth, Satan thrown down, he's going to have to say, you're Lord, and spend eternity in the pit because of Jesus being Lord. The name of Jesus, it's really cool. If you look at when Jesus appeared um, to the man who was uh, in the Gadar area, who was filled with, uh, they just, we just know it as legion. It was not a, uh, one demon, but a legion was tons of them, a Roman legion. And when they saw Jesus, they said to him, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? And he said, no, but get out, go in them pigs. And as my seminary professor said, he koshered the area um, and sent him in there. And the pigs said, I'm going off the cliff. I don't want these suckers in me. But, but what ends up happening is just at the sight of Jesus, just at, and that's before, that's before the crucifixion and resurrection that Jesus uh, took over everything. His name is the greatest name. And that's why we pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus, filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. You get it? That's still more exciting than you're reacting, I'm telling you. So it is the name of Jesus. The second thing is this. Our second weapon is the word of God. The word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 says, For the word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. The sword is a metaphor consistently for the word of God in Ephesians chapter 6. The word of God. It is the only offensive weapon we are given. The only one. If you look at this really quickly in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, this is continuing where Paul goes down through the full armor of God, the belt of truth. We need truth to keep our pants up. And one of the biggest problems in our society today is anybody can depict their own truth. And that's why our pants are down and that's why we're stumbling all around the world. And so we need the belt of truth, which is, the word, which, which is Christ Jesus, buckled around our waist. We need the breastplate of righteousness to protect our, in, our organs and those things and our hearts. We need that to be in place. Our feet in readiness, not kicked back like the, like, you know, the water buffalo going, mm -hmm. we need to be ready in this spiritual warfare that comes from the gospel of peace, that through Christ Jesus we have peace that passes all understanding. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith. Why? Because you're getting you're getting slinging arrows. You get fiery flaming arrows from the evil one every day. He's shooting at you. Bing, bing, bing. And you just go, Psh. and what they did, they had a large shield that was covered in leather and then it had, it was wet a lot of times because when it would hit, it just go, Tss. and that's where we had the shield of faith. And so you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation because I don't know about you, but the battlefield goes on in the mind before it goes anywhere else. And then take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus, every time it, he was being tempted or attacked by Satan, he used the Word of God. Satan used the Word of God to twist it, and God, Jesus used it to get it right. The Bible is not your feel-good book. It is your weapon. 
place it and claim it. Read it, learn it, and quote some back of it to your enemy. Number three, our last weapon. We have the name of Jesus, we have the word of God, and we have the power of the cross. The power of the cross. The ultimate defeat of the evil one, of the devil, of Satan, occurred on the cross. Majority of people believe and we focus on that, and it's right that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. Yes, but there's more. When we were talking about in the Apostles' Creed, and I challenge you to go back and look at that series online, um, particularly the one on he descended to hell, we learned a scripture that he did descend. What was he doing? This is it after, after he was crucified and he's laying in the tomb. It says he descended, and remember, he went in. Because I truly believe that Satan thought he had Jesus. And Jesus shows up, and all hell breaks loose. He showed up and he said, hey, here I am. Here I am. And up to that point, the reason why Jesus had to come in the first place was because of sin. Because of sin and death and hell and the grave. We could be the best person we could possibly be, but we still fell short of the glory of God. And for us, it was hell or a section of it like we talked about. Jesus shows up and says, hey, um, I hate to tell you, but I never sinned. And that right there that you thought you had me was a sacrifice. And he went face to face with Satan and said, excuse me, I will now take those keys, the keys of hell, the keys of death, the keys of the grave. So guess what? All you guys who looked to me, come on, let's empty this place out. And he went and he took the keys. And from that moment on, Satan knew forever he was defeated. Forever he is defeated. And a defeated foe is one who is worse than anyone else. Revelation 1:18. Jesus said, I am he who lives, was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of hell and death. And his promise is, because I live, you shall live also. As our worship team comes up and we close this out today, what do we do with this? Colossians 2, 13, 15 tells me something that Jesus tells, that we learn very importantly. You were dead in your sins and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. And then he gave you a share in the very life of Christ. And he forgave all your sins and he blotted out all your charges proved against you. See, that's what Satan keeps trying to do. Guess what? You and I are complete messes. You and I deserve hell and death and the grave. That's what we deserve. Everything we deserve. And guess what? Every time that I do something... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to sin this week. Not because I want to, but because I do. And guess what's going to happen? As soon as I do that, Satan's going to be like, I told you. And he's going to accuse me of what I've done. But Jesus says, hey, guess what? I took out all those things that you came to me and asked for, for and, and sought, forgive this. The list of commandments in which you had not obeyed. Jack, you're messing them up all the time. And then he says this. And Jesus, he took the list of sins. And went, that's what he did. He took the list of sins and went, there you go, Jack. There you go. 
There you go. That's your list of sins. Satan, you like that? Take it and shove it in your face. That's what Jesus is saying here. And he destroyed it, but he took it and he nailed it to the cross. Then in heaven, it says the Lamb of God, Jesus, still has the scars. Why? Not for him, but for the healing of the ethos, the healing of the people, for you and me. So every time I go to heaven, because unless I go ahead and repent of my sin and I have somebody, you know, take a knife around my neck and kill me, I'm not getting in on my own merit. But when I get there and it starts to go, but yeah, Jack, I saw this. Jesus said, hey, excuse me, Daddy, I paid for it. Every single thing. Every single thing. And he took it and nailed it to Christ's cross. In this way, God, look at this, this is awesome, took away Satan's power to accuse you. He can't even be Satan now. Because he has no power to accuse us. Because when he says, hey, Jack, you did this? He said, yeah, but look at Jesus. He paid it. And I love him. He says, but, but, but look at Jesus. He has the key to that. You go, all right. He can't do anything about that. And God openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph on the cross where your sins were all taken away. What does all this mean? Above all else, remember this. As believers, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Jesus has already won. And you may be in the midst of a battle right now. We sang the song at the beginning, uh, The Battle Belongs to You. And we sang that, I heard that the first time last year. And I can tell you, it was a severe battle that still beats me up to this day. Still. I was accused. I was beaten up. I'm like, where are you, God? I'm looking at this. But guess what? It's his battle. Because he won. You may be in the midst of that fight right now. And it may seem like it's been going on forever. And it may have even gotten worse. But no matter what you face, we need to know this. This great verse. That in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. Amen? Amen. And that's how you pray. So you put those tasks together, guess what? No weapon ever formed against us will prosper. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord one more time here today. Jesus, we come to you in these closing moments of this, this Sunday, this, uh, this Father's Day. And Satan's greatest tool is to convince us that he does not exist. But he's real and he's defeated. And I know as soon as, um, as, soon as we leave here today, again, he's going to be hammering on us. He might be right now in the midst of the service and whatever way it may be. And, and so, Lord... Um, Help us just to remember that we don't have to look for victory because victory is found in Jesus Christ. Some of us may, may even be here today just uh, struggling because we feel that, that there's nothing that, that we can do, that we feel like it's hopeless, that there's no way that Jesus would ever save us. There's no way he could possibly love us. But none of that is true, God. None of it. And so, Lord, here today, I, I want us to all just recognize that 
some of us may be thinking, gosh, there's something else here. There's something been, that's been here for a while, and I don't know what it is, and it seems more than flesh and blood, because it is. So God, we call on, our, on the name of Jesus right now. It's a name that is above all other names. And for those of us who believe in Jesus and his death on the cross, that God, you will take my sin, you'll take everything that's going on, the battle that's there, and you'll, you'll take it in your hands. That the name of Jesus, all hell shudders and reminds Satan of his defeat. God, help me love my weapon, the word of God. Help me not just put it alongside, but help me just like, and help me not just quickly get through it to say I did it and check it off, but help me spend time with it. Let me, help me get perfected with it so that when, when Satan tells me who he thinks I am, or even, even at many times who I think I am, I want to remind him of whose I am. Thank you for the power of the cross. And there's, there's somebody who may be here today that just needs to, to pray with someone. They're going to be up front. God, we're going to take right now, we're going to take some time to go ahead and, and give back to you through your tithe and, and our offerings. And if you're a visitor with us today, uh, we don't expect you to do that. Your guest is just being here and, and receiving what God has for you. But God, for those who do give, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit's blessing upon those gifts you multiply them and use them to further your ministry here and around the world. And that God, you will find us faithful. All hell is shuddering right now because in the name of Jesus, we're free. And he, can, he has no power to accuse us. So God, do your will in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. A melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to
Right, everybody have a wonderful week remember next week um baptism and then um food and bouncy house and all that good stuff we love to see you here god bless have a great week amen